Today on CityCast Boise... Not the church, not the state, we decide our fate! Not the church, not the state, we decide our fate! Thousands of people in Boise rallied and marched over the weekend to protest the Supreme Court's ruling on abortion. Meanwhile, Planned Parenthood lawyers worked long hours to find a way to stop our state's so-called trigger law from going into effect later this summer, a law that would ban abortion in almost every case. We don't know the fate of our trigger law or our six-week abortion ban. Both are being challenged in state court. What we do know is that the fight for reproductive rights is very active, and there's lots of info to share about accessing abortion care now and if the bans go into effect in the future. That's why I'm talking with Misty Deli carpini tolman the Idaho State Director of Planned Parenthood Alliance Advocates. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. We all knew this was coming to some degree or another, especially after the Alito draft leak in May, but how did it actually feel to read the official ruling on Friday? You know, I was out in the kitchen getting coffee, but of course had SCOTUS blog on my phone and was was refreshing as decisions were coming in. And as soon as I saw, you know, we have Dobbs come up on their live blog, I just, I felt like I couldn't breathe, like I could not catch a breath. And that's pretty much what it felt like all weekend. It's just like the air was just completely sucked out of my body. A very visceral experience Mm -hmm. then, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And, you know, the devastation kind of came in waves, I feel like. Um, My phone started just lighting up with texts and messages and of both, you know, sending comfort or asking questions. And um, it was a really kind of surreal out of body moment to just stand there in my kitchen and be like, I'm this, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. You know, the moment that we saw Roe overturned, it was, it was really surreal, really devastating. I thought I was emotionally prepared for it, but turns out, I don't think that you ever really truly can be for something like that. Yeah, it was definitely a, a where were you moment um, for me as well. Um, yeah, I, I actually went on a hike that morning, uh, knowing that it was likely coming, but I couldn't help but check my phone as I was out there on the trail. Um, so part of what we're hoping to do here is really give people practical information. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, one thing I just want to note is there has been a lot of confusion since Friday, yes. um, specifically about a 2020 law that will soon go into effect and we'll get into the details of that law later. But first to be very, very clear, abortion is still legal in Idaho at this moment, correct? Yes. Abortion is still legal in Idaho. Planned Parenthood is still providing abortions to our patients. And it will likely remain legal in Idaho for, you know, roughly 50 to 55 days. 
at least. And with that in mind, are your health centers, so the health centers are in Meridian Twin Falls to be really specific for folks. Are they still, um, so folks who might have appointments on the books in July, they can expect that that will still go go forward. Is that Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Keep your appointments. If you have one, keep them. We are still providing abortions. We don't have a lot of appointments booked very far out. Abortion is a really time-sensitive um, health procedure, so we try and get people in as quickly as possible, right? So um, it's not like we have appointments booked past that 30-day mark or that 50-day mark. Um, so I would just let Idahoans know that if they need us, they should absolutely call. Even if we are getting near that 50 day mark, we are there to help you understand what this law means and what it means for the care that you need. And we can walk you through every step of the way. Okay. And just to do your, do some math with you really fast, you're saying 50 days, which of course, um, the language of the 2020 trigger law that the state Republicans passed, that that would only go into effect 30 days after the Supreme Court officially sends their ruling, their ruling that sent the the policy back to the states. And so how are you getting to 50? 50 is because the ruling technically isn't official official, right? As I understand. Yeah. Correct. So Friday's decision is what we call a slip decision. It's where the public, you know, gets to see that decision that they're landing on, but they still will have like little edits here and there to make. And it usually takes Mm -hmm. about 25 to 30 days from the slip decision for them to file their official decision. And that filing is what will actually trigger our trigger law going into effect, which as you noted, goes into effect 30 days after that official filing, after that decision is officially filed. Got it. Okay. And we'll we'll keep our listeners updated about when that countdown officially begins, the 30-day countdown. Um, so let's talk about the trigger law, uh, the ban that will be in place in terms of, of what's in it, it basically gives, you know, a few exceptions. The exceptions are rape, incest, and if the health of the pregnant person is in danger. But you are very skeptical that the exceptions will actually work. In other words, that someone in one of those situations will be able, be able to access an abortion, particularly folks who might be raped or um, be the victim of incest. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, so... The way that the bill is written, um, survivors of assault, sexual assault, you know, rape and incest have to have a police report in hand to be able to access that exception. We know that most assaults go unreported for a myriad of reasons um, to do with the physical safety, the emotional well-being of a survivor, um, the way a survivor is treated in our society. Like there's just a lot of reasons why these assaults usually go unreported. And then even when they are reported, you know, we had, um, I believe it was Senator Wintrow reach out to uh, the police department when this bill was being passed. And just to find out like how easy is it to get a police report um, and found out that they would not release one on an active investigation. So there's that. And, you know, that it takes a while, like it takes a number of weeks to get that police report in hand. So it really, for such a time-sensitive procedure um, as abortion care, these exceptions really uh, end up being kind of in name only. They're not very accessible to 
to a survivor. And then I do want to know also that um, the language of the bill, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it actually lists life of the pregnant person rather than health of the pregnant person. And mm, we, yes. we watched the legislature kind of shift their language to this life rather than health um, mm. as an attempt to block out any possibility of emotional well-being being able to be right. factored into that decision. So it truly has to be that the pregnant person is going to die or have an abortion in order for that yeah. exception to be accessible. Well, thank you so much for that clarification. I will actually, will link to the exact text so people can read that full bill that once again was passed in, in 2020. Um, and I think that's, yeah, a really important point to, to underscore. Um, I wonder too, I mean, this is probably getting in the weeds too far, but okay, let's say someone has an ectopic pregnancy, um, which is a very dangerous medical situation. Um, how concerned are you uh, once the ban goes into place for people to be able to access care um, quickly enough in a situation that once again is very time sensitive. Yeah, I I mean, obviously I have concerns. I think that this bill is going to uh, kind of have rippling effects, kind of ripple waves of effects. And one of the things that is going to happen is this chilling effect for medical providers, right? And physicians. Um, I do think and trust the medical community to do what is right and best for a patient, but that is not without saying that that medical providers are going into this new, you know, post-row world knowing that like the onus kind of lies on them to be able to prove that this patient's life was in danger, right? And so it does, we are kind of headed into some unknown territory of, of how this is going to affect providers, how it's going to, um, you know, the, the stress and anxiety that it will cause for them to be able to be trusted to make that right call and and then have to prove that it was necessary. Yeah. And just to be yeah clear once again, because I didn't say it before, that the, the penalty, um, the focus of the bill is on providers that if they do perform um, an abortion, that they are subject to a felony, they could lose their license uh, to, if they're found with um, performing two abortions. Um, so there really is this chilling effect, as you said, that that could, uh, yeah, make it challenging for people, even if they want to try to help someone in this ex in this uh, environment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, all of those penalties lie with the medical provider, lie with the physician, not with the person who's pregnant. And I think that's yeah. a really, really important distinction um, to make because I, I don't want people who are pregnant to think that they are in any danger of ever being prosecuted for seeking abortion care in our mm -hmm. in our state or outside of our state, that those penalties would lie squarely with a physician. Yep. Good clarification. Um, you have spoken a little bit already about uh, other states, um, as you call them, access states, states where uh, abortion will still be legal. Um at least for now, right. um, under the Supreme Court ruling. Um, we asked our, our audience on socials for questions about what this means for Idaho and for Idahoans. And a lot of people want to know what state is the best place to go for an abortion, specifically if you live in the Boise metro. And I know that Planned Parenthood has been investing in resources to connect people here with health, health centers in other states. Um, and just uh, fact check me if I'm wrong. In the Treasure Valley, at least as things stand now, the closest 
center will be or is in Walla Walla, about four hours away, and Bend, which is about five hours away. So one in Washington, one in Oregon. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So um, in the southern part of the state, in the Boise area, those are the closest health centers for now. Uh, the Columbia Willamette affiliate in Oregon, I know, is working really hard to get what, a health center up and running in Ontario. And I think that's going to, you know, come as quickly as they possibly can can get it going. Um, I, we don't have a date for that opening yet, uh, but I know, like I said, that they are working night and day to get that done so that Idahoans can have easier access um, once this new law goes into effect. Yeah, last I, I read in some reporting from um, the Capital Sun, Idaho Capital Sun, that the that health center in Ontario, it's in the permitting phase, as I understand it. So who knows, perhaps with this uh, little bit of a delay before the 30-day countdown begins, uh, maybe that'll come online around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, possible. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Um, we'll put the number of this patient navigator and the website uh in our notes, but tell me about this patient navigator. What is it exactly? What does it exactly look like? If I call the number once our ban is in place, what specific answers and resources would I get? Yeah. So, like you mentioned, we've been putting you know significant resources into strengthening our patient navigator teams. So, a person needs abortion care, they can call one eight hundred two three zero plan, or go to abortionfinder.org. Um, and we have patient navigator teams standing by ready to um, help a patient now, you know, before this 50-day mark is reached or as we get closer to the 50-day mark and beyond to help them understand where the law stands, what it means for the care that they need. If we are past that 50-day mark and this bill does go into effect, help them know where they need to go to get care, what's the nearest health center, how they get an appointment, connect them to resources such as the Northwest Access Abortion Fund um, and other mutual aid groups that that could help with financial resources that might be needed to, you know, flee your state to access health care, um, travel, logistics, uh, lodging, logistics, and then help them get back to their home state for any aftercare that they might need um, in the communities where they are, you know, where they live and are cared for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How will that work? Am I hearing maybe that it's folks would call the navigator and then maybe they would be connected with another resource potentially for access. Okay. So, so it's kind of connecting the dots between different organizations um, and that the navigator would help make those dots, connect all those dots. Yep. We will absolutely make sure a patient is connected with the organizations that can help. So obviously, you know, abortion funds have been doing this work for a really long time. They have a lot of procedures and processes in place and they're ready to help folks, you know, access the the travel and the lodging and and that is what they are experts at and we have really strong relationships with our abortion fund here in this area which is the northwest access abortion fund um and so we will connect patients with with the resources that they need on twitter i saw several people you know well-meaning people who are abortion advocates um say they will drive folks out of state if they need to you know, I'm sure there's people in Oregon and Washington who are offering up their homes for people to stay in. Um, would you, what do you think about these kind of grassroots uh, ways of doing this? Um, or should, you know, people really go through vetted organizations 
um, like you mentioned. Yes, please, please, please call us and let us help you connect, get connected to the resources that you need. Um, call Northwest Access Abortion Fund. We, uh, abortion funds have been doing this work for so long. They really are experts at this and they have folks vetted and ready, you know, safety of patients is top priority for Planned Parenthood and abortion funds. And um, as well-meaning as these advocates are, you know, if you want to be a person too, who is who can be ready to, to drive someone, or if you're in Washington or Oregon and you want to house someone, reach out to the Northwest Abortion Access Fund. They, I'm sure, are looking for volunteers right now as, as they kind of see um, an influx of need and they have a vetting process to make sure that patients are safe. So definitely well-meaning folks, you can absolutely um, reach out to an abortion fund and, and go through their process and get on their lists and, and be ready to help people. And if you need an abortion, call Planned Parenthood, call an abortion fund, um, make sure you're going through an organization. Now, depending on where someone is in their pregnancy, the care will be different. Um, and you mentioned, of course, yeah, the return and, and what they might need when they get back to Idaho. Um, can you talk just a little bit and as many specifics as you want or can about how that could look different depending on where you are in your pregnancy? And, and you know, I would assume the further along someone is, um, the more assistance, the more resources may be needed. Yeah, I mean, every every case is so different and so individualized that it's, it's hard to even talk in generics like of, of time frames because every single patient um, is so different. But what we can do even past the 50 day mark is, you know, see a patient, um, do any testing or dating that needs to happen um, before an appointment can be done here in Idaho in our health centers. You know, we obviously offer a lot of reproductive health services here in our health centers, even outside of abortion, so that we can we can help get patients set up. And then, of course, make the appointments out of state. So whether they're early in their pregnancy, oftentimes patients will opt for medication abortion. Um, it's, it's a pair of pills that you take, um, and you can actually finish an abortion at in the comfort of your own home, essentially, as you know, that works up to roughly 10 weeks. But again, every pregnancy is different. So I don't want to put like a hard timeline on that. Um, right. And then oftentimes it's shifted to a, a surgical procedure um, that would obviously happen in a health center. Um, so yeah, that's what would happen after that, that 10 week mark. And again, every patient is different and our patient navigator teams are there to, to help people know um, what to do and where to go. And of course, during COVID, things kind of actually opened up on this front um, where telemedicine, you know, really allowed people to get a prescription for the pills sent through the mail to their home. And as you said, yeah, could recover at home. Do you know whether this ban will affect that? That is correct. They're, they will not be able to legally have a prescription in Idaho for medication abortion any longer. I mean, this this trigger ban applies to all abortions, including medication abortion.
Misty, we know, of course, historically that marginalized groups have always been the ones most affected by abortion restrictions. Ever since 1973, uh, you know, there have been attacks on abortion access and folks in particular populations have always been the most affected. With our ban in Idaho, who are you most concerned about? I mean, the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and, you know, this nearly 50 years of, of precedent I think that the court has especially failed Black, Latino, Indigenous, and other people of color who are who are disproportionately harmed by abortion bans because of our country's you know legacy of racism and discrimination. Um, I would also add, you know, the LGBTQ community and folks of of lower incomes, all of these people who traditionally have already had so many barriers in accessing healthcare are going to feel this this ban um, much more acutely than than folks who have resources and folks who have means. You know that the average um, middle class to upper middle class white person is always going to be able to access abortions one way or yes. another. Um, and we've been listening to uh, reproductive justice leaders for years saying that. Roe really is the floor and already is not accessible to so many people. And um, and we know that, that this ban and bans like it across the country are going to hit so much harder for people of color, um, the queer community and, and people of lower incomes. Yeah. And, and rural folks in Idaho too, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Absolutely. Yep. Um, we had this question from an audience member on uh, Instagram. Can we still buy Plan B? And I would widen that out. Are you worried about Plan B being a target of lawmakers in the future? You absolutely can still buy Plan B and other emergency contraception. Um, and we have already seen, you know, a chairman say that he will consider holding a hearing to ban emergency contraception like plan B. So I'm, I am concerned about uh, the future of access to emergency contraception. He also, you know, threw in other forms of contraception in that conversation. And I know he's since walked that back a little bit. Um, But we are watching very closely for any, any further attempts to, uh, restrict access to contraception, including emergency contraception. Yeah. And of course, you're, you're talking about uh, representative Republican Representative Brent Crane mm-hmm. of Nampa. So in the Treasure Valley for our, our Treasure Valley listeners to know who you're, you're, you're referring to. Um, besides going to rallies and donating to mutual aid and abortion funds, um, what else should people be doing to look out for their community? I think there's a number of things people can do. I, I think naming yourself as a, an abortion supporter and being loud about it is a really important thing right now. Um, mm. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with people in my life who who know what I do for a living and are like, just so you know, I'm with you. You know, like in, <laughs> in like whispered tones. And it's like, just say it, just be loud about it because your neighbors need to know like the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is that that one in three or one in four women in their lifetime will have an abortion 
you know somebody who has had an abortion. And if you can't name them, that means that they don't think they can trust you to tell you. Um, Right. And so if we will actually have conversations about the fact that we support abortion, that we support people who need abortion, because there always will be a need for abortion, no matter how many bans are instilled, no matter how accessible we make birth control, there will always be need for abortion services. And we need to be talking about it so that people who need help know who they can go to and who they can trust to go to. So being yeah. being loud about it is going to help destigmatize the idea of having an abortion. Um, yeah. I would say get connected with organizations who are fighting for reproductive rights. So there's Planned Parenthood Alliance advocates, obviously. We work really closely with folks like Legal Voice and the ACLU of Idaho um, and other groups to to fight during the, the session. Um, we will be, you know, starting the process of um, vetting candidates going into this midterm election. And I think it's a both and situation. I've seen a lot of criticisms online from people who are tired of being told that, like, voting is the answer, you know. Um, I think I saw a tweet or a meme or something that said that, like, just vote is the progressive side's, like, thoughts and prayers, you know, like, oh, prayers. (laughs) Um, But truly, I think it's a both and situation. I think we need to be developing systems that care for our neighbor in a more effective way. So these mutual aid funds and the abortion funds and knitting together circles of safety for our, our friends and neighbors. And then also we have to be getting new people in that state house. We have to. I understand it's a long game. I am acutely aware of um, the political realities that we exist in in this state. I also know that they are somewhat disconnected from every single poll we ever do. Um, We know that abortion is supported by a majority of Idahoans. We know that um, we see people of all walks of life walk into our health centers needing abortion. And so there's this disconnect from who is being elected and who they're representing. And so we're working really hard to hold legislators accountable for the bills that they're passing and the votes that they're casting. Um, We're knocking on doors all summer long, talking to voters. Um, We will be doing work as we head into the election to make sure that the public knows who um, is running for office that actually supports your right to make decisions for your own body and your own future and those who, who think that you don't have that right. And so I would say, you know, get connected with these organizations, connect with us, come work with Planned Parenthood, um, because we're going to be doing a lot of work in the coming years. Uh, you know, I've said this before, I know this isn't going to be fixed tomorrow. Um, it took decades for the anti-abortion movement to get us where we are right now. And so yes. this is going to take a while to unravel, right? And to to write itself. But that's going to take all of us coming together and, and fighting. And we're not going to stop fighting. So this both and situation is yes, donate to the abortion funds, care for your neighbor. We have to be doing that. And also join the movement, join the work, help us hold these legislators accountable, help us get new 
people in that state house because they are the ones who are passing these heinous, cruel laws. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Misty, how are you taking care of yourself in this moment? Um, you know, how are you moving through different emotions, but also just taking a second? I'm sure you're really tired emotionally, physically. Um, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And what would you tell other people who are uh, really struggling right now too? I am leaning pretty hard on my circle, um, on my people, on you know, my friends and my family. Um, I'm giving myself a lot of grace right now. Um, I, like I said earlier, will just have waves of, like I can't even talk about it without getting choked up because I just have waves. Yeah. Yep. Of devastation that just hit me at whatever time, you know. Um, and so I let myself feel that. Um, I think that people, especially people who are involved in this movement and have been involved in this movement are also holding a lot of emotion for other people um, and consoling other people. And so, yes. yeah, I would, I would definitely um, recommend letting yourself have some space to also feel those feelings <clears throat> because you're not going to be able to help people if, if you're not taking care of yourself and, you know, <clears throat> rest truly is a, a, um, tool that you need. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. This is going to take a long time and we're going to need to be able to continue the fight. We can't do that without letting ourselves have some space and some rest and leaning on our people. Um, I know that sounds really nebulous, but I think it's because it can look really different to different people. For me, that's looked like a bubble bath and a glass of wine at the end of the night, you know, <laughs> um, and that is not like solving the world's problems, but it's helping me continue. Well, thanks for taking time to talk to us about this, for sharing your your thoughts, your feelings, your expertise, your wisdom, um, you know, and for fighting for reproductive rights in Idaho. I hope you get some rest this week, Misty. Thanks, Frankie. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. And one more thing before you go, after we recorded my conversation with Misty, Planned Parenthood officially filed a lawsuit against the state of Idaho to block our trigger ban from going into effect. The filing argues that the 2020 law violates our right to privacy and equal protection under the state's constitution. We'll put a link in the show notes with more info. Now it's up to the state Supreme Court to decide whether the lawsuit should move forward. We're following this closely, and we'll keep you updated on the legal tussling. But a reminder, for now, abortion remains legal in our state. Thanks for listening to CityCast Boise. If you found today's show helpful, please share it with a friend. And thanks to everyone who sent us their questions on reproductive rights over socials. We see you. We'll be back Thursday with more conversations about things that matter to Boise. See you then.